0: And a very good afternoon. It's uh, 25 minutes away from 2 o'clock. Happy to take your calls. 8223 0000 is the number to call. Well, the state uh, government has, uh, is putting education firmly on the election agenda, Agenda uh, extending the school school card eligibility eligibility threshold from uh, 37,000 to 57,000. Quite a significant jump. This uh, follows nearly 2,000 families being taken to court for failing to pay their public school fees in the last financial year. That's more than double the previous financial year. Joining us now to discuss the plan changes is uh, the Minister for Education and Childhood Development, Susan Close. Minister... Good afternoon.
1: Lovely to be here.
0: How many families are affected by this increase that you've announced?
1: It will cover about 16,000 families or 29,000 children who are currently going to our schools but having to pay fees. Their household income is below the the mean in Adelaide and uh, we think that we need to make sure that families who are doing it a bit tough are getting all the help they can from the state government. Education is compulsory. Uh, have to send your kids to school we want you to send your kids to school so being able to just make this a bit fairer i think is uh, is really important and i'm so pleased that we're able to do it
0: so as I said the threshold has gone from thirty seven thousand up to fifty seven thousand that's for a single child isn't it
1: that's right and then it's so uh, it's uh, almost fifty eight thousand is the threshold for a single child and then it goes up by increments of a thousand dollars a year that you can earn for an additional child and not have to pay the school ca- the school fees
0: and how are you funding this will it be a case of uh that I'm not on a I don't have a school card will I be subsidizing those who are
1: No that's absolutely not the plan we're adding money to schools to make this work it's going to cost the government about 30 million dollars over the next 4 years to deliver and the reason we're able to do this and a number of other announcements we'll be making uh, in the near future is that we stuck to our side of gonski now i know some people go oh, you know get over gonski i'm i'm not over gonski because that was a 6 year deal to increase the amount of money going to our schools The last two years were the the ones that had all the money in, 75%. That's next year and it's the year after. So although we've lost our federal partners largely, we've stuck to our share, which means we have money to spend on education and we should spend it to make families' lives easier and to get a better quality of education for our students.
0: What about this issue that uh, is becoming an increasingly large one as far as zoning is concerned and the amount of schools that we've got out there? It's interesting. We do a real estate segment each week with uh, with Wonderful Toop and Toop, the biggest real estate organisation in the state. And one of the things that comes up on nearly every second call we get is I want to buy a house in this region purely and simply on the the, 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 uh, the condition that it's in a certain school zone. That's an issue that uh, has been around for a long time. What can we do about it?
1: It has and it's I think exacerbated by people thinking that they have to make an active choice about where their, their kids go to school. Uh, back a long time ago when I was at school, many years ago, uh, the natural choice was just to go to the school near where you happen to want to live anyway. We've now got this kind of pressure on families. Oh, you're not, you don't really care about your kids' education if you don't make an active choice. And it makes pe- parents anxious and it makes them think they're somehow not doing the right thing if they don't either take their kids to a non-government school or get into a zone for one of the wealthier suburbs. Now uh, I, I just don't think that's necessary and one of the reasons we have a series of ads at the moment on television about the quality of public education is that every public school is a good school. We fund them well, we'll be funding them even more over the next couple of years and we're funding them in a way that's about getting the basics right so that their literacy and numeracy are good, but also that they're being prepared for the jobs of the future. And they're doing that with people they live with, with people from their community. And when I look at the schools that are... Bursting at the seams in the eastern suburbs, up to 56 percent of those kids don't live in the area, and that—that's no longer a sense of going to your community, being part, you having kids over after school for a play, uh, playing sport with the kids that you go to school with. That starts to break down if we have this pressure on moving children around just for a school. All our schools are good, and they'll be better if we all make that decision to have our kids go nearby.
0: But the statistics show not all the schools are equal, though. I mean, some of the the popular schools that are sought after in those areas are performing better with NAPLAN and, uh, you know, the My School website, etc., etc.
1: Look, not all our schools, uh, not all our kids are equal is is a better way of of articulating that. There is a very serious disadvantage for children if they come from a very low-income household where education isn't valued. And when you have a school where there's more of those kids, the NAPLAN result is going to reflect that. That does not mean that if your child is at that school, that's the result they'll get because we teach to the child and we teach to the child's uh, potential some of our best schools are the schools that are in fact countering the effect of not having parents who are particularly supportive and that's not to say all all parents with low incomes are not, that is absolutely not the case but there are those broad generalisations and there are schools that are working much harder and having much greater impact because they're turning around the impact of the home life on the school life and that's why public schools are so good and so important to keep them strong and well
0: do you think there's too much uh, emphasis on such as the NAP plan I mean we have this discussion every time it comes out we're we're talking to you only you know last month uh, when the results came out I mean philosophically you are either in favour of NAP plan or not personally I'm not I think it's a load of rubbish but we can't ignore it
1: no no we can't and I think the best thing we can do is make it useful so yes there are all sorts of problems with NAP plan for one thing it's trying to test every kid in years three five seven and nine mm. so in australia so that's a massive effort and to do a test that big you have to make it fairly clunky that means you have multiple choice questions where in a normal test you wouldn't use multiple choice ever uh, and and at the moment because they're not online there's a big gap between when you do it and when you get the results back and when you just look at the whole system you'll see the northern territory is at the bottom and the act is at the top and the states range in between essentially on a CS level, on their on socioeconomic status. So it doesn't tell us anything. How does that help anything? Well, what, what I want to do with it, and what we've, we've made a big decision this year, is to say, okay, yes, we'll be reporting at that level, we always have to, but what I'm really interested in is helping that child who hasn't met the minimum standards and needs to, and I'm interested in this child, who actually did really well last time but has slipped off, mm. that lack of growth. So we'll use it diagnostically, and we've put ne- uh, nearly $65 million over the next four years years because we've stuck to our share of Gonski nearly 65 million dollars across and it's not on the label of the child we spend a lot on the label we spend on low SES on aboriginality and on disability and so we should but this money is about how's the child performing do they need some extra assistance because they haven't reached where they need to and that's where NAPLAN can be much more useful as long as you've got the context you know what happened that day you know normally that child's fantastic but they were sick that you know let, let's allow the principals and the teachers to make wise decisions but let's give them the resources to do things with we're
0: talking to the minister for education uh, Susan close so uh, happy to take your calls double a connect And it's 14 minutes away from two. We have the Education Minister, uh, Susan Close, with us in the studio. Happy to take your calls, 8223 0000. Minister, you're also announcing today that uh, there's um, some new language programs going to be introduced. Uh, uh, Do I smell an election in the air? It's a bit of cash being uh, tossed around today, Minister.
1: Well, yeah, of course there's an election coming up, but the truth is that we've got a lot more money for our education system in the next two years thanks to our six-year deal. We've just finally reached years five and six and the, the lion's share of the funding was there. And we want to spend in a way that, that makes sure that the basics are being cared for but that kids are being prepared for the jobs of the future and the languages strategy is absolutely part of that because the two big shifts we've seen in recent times across the world are first of all the shift in technology that uh, we have just seen, just a dramatic increase in the power of computing and hence our investment in STEM, science, mm. technology, engineering and maths and the other big change is globalisation that we are connected to every other part of the world and whether it's serving a coffee for a tourist or it's doing a business deal in china for jobs here Uh, we need our kids to have the horizon to to look over the horizon and see that our future is across our borders and that requires competence we need students who are competent at dealing with other cultures and where possible being able to speak other people's languages and i did languages at uh, high school uh, all the way through to year 12, I did a couple of languages. And although I haven't learnt Chinese, I find that I have a facility with learning two or three phrases when I've been mm-hmm. to China because I've learnt other languages. Yep. So it's not so mat- much which language you learn, although it's wonderful if you're really good at Chinese. Uh, but it's b- having that recognition that it makes such a difference to be able to le- to speak some.
0: Under this scheme, uh, 100 secondary students will get uh, scholarships for languages?
1: Uh, Well, that's for study tours. So what we're doing is we're spending nearly $16 million over the four years on languages and internationalisation, and most of that money will go into making sure we've got the best teachers. We'll get teachers uh, with more professional development, get more with specialisations in languages, and support them with all the different ways that we have, all the new techniques for language instruction to make it interesting and engaging for students. But we're also supporting students from low SES backgrounds who want to go on study tours with everybody else and don't have the funds to do it, because there is nothing like opening the eyes of a teenager to what is happening overseas. Being there physically makes all the difference, hearing another language being spoken. And it really makes us realise that this little bubble that we can live in is not the only way to live and that mm. we need to be able to connect across the borders.
0: Um, an email here from Kat. Uh, hi, Kat. Uh, She's saying, how is it that our students are dropping in the international standards for education if we keep on spending more and more money on education? Uh,
1: Well, there's two answers to that. One is that we're not actually doing as badly internationally as sometimes um, the media would have you, not to blame the media, Alan, but uh, that the commentary would have you believe. And that's uh, that's South Australia, when they had the recent recent PISA test, actually did really well. The rest of Australia stagnated and we went up a bit, so... You know, the, the data is really hard to, to pull apart. But the truth is we, we need to keep doing better because the world keeps getting tougher. And to, to respond to the new economy, we need our kids, our students and our children to be better educated. And that means we, what we were okay at a couple of years ago, we need to be even better at in a few years' time. Now the, the question with the money is that although there's been a lot of talk about spending money, the real increase that was set with Gonski doesn't start till next year. We've only had 25% of the money that was uh, suggested. 75% comes in the next two years. So it's how we spend it. And no one who's involved in education doesn't know that money matters. It's how you have teachers getting professional development. It's how you have the relief teachers coming in so that the teacher can do that. It's how you have the interventions early in literacy and numeracy with small groups or one one to make sure that those basics aren't missed. It's how you have STEM facilities, science and mathematics facilities to excite students about the importance of those subjects for the future of the economy. None of that happens without money, but of course you have to spend it wisely.
0: How do, we, how do you walk that very tight balance of, uh, for example, a, a child starting kindy today won't actually hit the uh, the workforce until, uh, you know, about 2030, 2031. We don't know, know what the world's going to look like then. How do you walk that tightrope of, you know, fostering an education system? that's going to actually encompass that uh, that end result. It's,
1: and that's exactly the task that every teacher has every day and it's a remarkably difficult job we've asked of them. What you need to do is make sure that the, the fundamental skills, which really are the literacy and the numeracy, but also digital literacy and being able to work with people, that you have those fundamental skills built in from the start because we know that they will always be necessary they'll always be useful then what you have to do is instill a love of learning because learning being educated is going to be part of the rest of these children's lives it's no longer possible for people to exit high school in year 10 get a job that's the job they'll have for the rest of their lives it will happen occasionally. It's not going to be the norm. So we need to instil in our, in our young people a love of learning and a capacity to ask thoughtful questions and solve problems that they haven't seen before because what we do know is that they will be facing problems that we can't even anticipate and to do those they'll need critical thinking, they'll need creative thinking they'll need good content knowledge but they'll also need to know how to create new knowledge. Now all of that sounds very complex, in fact the Australian curriculum does it extremely well and we've seen a dramatic increase in the number of students in South Australia completing school with their SACE with their high school certificate and we are second only to the ACT and that by a whisker of of the percentage of students who finish year 12 with a certificate so we've done a tremendous job in south australia with that and it that is the best way you can prepare children for the future get your high school make it a quality high school certificate and then be prepared to be engaged in learning for the rest of your life
0: what about uh, those who would argue um the curriculum is so crowded so busy there's so much we're being tra- we're trying to cram-, cram in and we're overlooking the the three Rs that we should be concentrating on
1: that's why part of our plan we've articulated the importance of making those basics foundational Uh, you cannot learn anything else if you're not literate and numerate and while that's always been the case and will always be the case we're really wanting to return to a proper focus on the early years getting under their belt not just being able to read and write but being able to read for meaning and write with purpose and to have the basics of numeracy because numeracy isn't just about being able to do maths in your daily life as it's Essential as that is, but it is also about creating a sense of logic in students. Maths is an extremely logical discipline and it's also about creating those foundations for the more complex science and technology that will be a big part of their lives, even if they never work in that field. Technology dominates us. I'm sitting here surrounded by pieces of technology as part of the radio. Uh, Every job is going to be affected by it and we we sell our kids short if we don't give them that foundation of numeracy that gives them an entryway into being competent in those areas.
0: But there's a big difference isn't there just between your normal literacy skills and pushing more into the the technical side of it you know computer programming and that sort of thing
1: that's right and as you say uh, we we do have a very big curriculum and we require our teachers to be very selective about which elements they they uh, focus on Uh, because coding is coming into primary schools Mm. and and it should Uh, coding is going to be one of the languages of the future there are jobs that go begging in Australia. I understand for cyber security jobs it's. employment. They're just desperate for more people. So uh, while it is complex, it's complex for students to learn all of this. That's what they need for a successful future so we owe it to them to teach it and the great thing about kids is they're capable of learning so much. They are capable of absorbing more information than we can imagine and uh, really stretching that capacity is essential but it has to start with literacy and numeracy and then it has to build over time and making sure that we start early is, is crucial or the, the importance of preschool and the way in which we do play learning through play, introducing concepts of literacy and numeracy without being heavy-handed, just start to get those foundations. And then upon those foundations, students are capable of almost anything.
0: It's difficult to have a conversation these days about education without talking about STEM, which is uh, the science, technology, engineering and maths. Um why do we so often forget to include the arts, as steam. in STEAM? We always hear about STEM, never about STEAM. Is there a possibility here, because it is an area that we're so far behind the eight ball all over Australia, not just South Australia, particularly in the senior years, that the kids who aren't STEM inclined, the more STEAM inclined, more arts inclined, are going to get left behind?
1: Well, I, I certainly hope not. Uh, that's not not the intention at all. There will be a proportion of students who, who will be highly competent in STEM and uh, to to be highly competent requires an enormous amount of creativity and problem solving but there are also all the human jobs the there is absolutely uh, creative industries jobs your your own is is part of that uh, performance art huge part of our very attractive tourism offering that we have in South Australia and we mustn't neglect those skills music which we've put significant amount of uh, effort into in the last couple of years and we're starting to see more students studying uh, music music instruments which is wonderful uh, but also those human skills the looking after people, those jobs will still be there, they're not auto- they're not so easily automated, we won't have the robots taking over and it's, it's so important to anticipate these big trends of automation and artificial intelligence and make sure that we're encouraging the human skills that students have as well as the power to invent even more mm. exciting technology
0: mm-hmm. uh the number call double 0000 pat's called from surrey downs hi pat
1: oh hello um, good afternoon minister um i just um, would like to ask you a question if you don't mind of course um, do you know um my grandchildren are 16 and
0: and they're printing and They don't seem to be encouraged
1: to do any cursive writing. now. I
0: think that's really
1: bad. Have you any idea why that would be? Yes, there there, there does seem to be, I'm speaking from my own children's experience as well, less emphasis on what we called cursive. I think it's called South Australian Standard now. Uh, And that's partly, I think, to do with the need for those students to learn Computing skills and typing skills that many of us didn't learn at all at school, unless we were thinking that we might become a a secretary, a role that's rapidly disappearing, Uh, then we didn't learn those typing skills. So we ask a lot of students and we're asking them to write clearly as well as to be able to produce using a keyboard. Um, And I am interested, and I've been talking to some of the educational experts about how we make sure that we don't lose that capacity to handwrite in a legible way, whether it's print or cursive legibility is important to me and I <laughs> uh, think you've hit on something that is of concern to some parents. You
0: haven't seen my writing, Pat. <laughs> my goodness, even I can't ri- read it. Uh, but I am a good, really fast two-finger typer. Um, there's another caller who's asked, uh, Minister, Just finally, uh, does the new CBD high school, which of course is uh, down near the zoo, is it going to cater more for gifted or advanced students? Is there a leaning? Uh,
1: well here's the way our schools work. We have comprehensive education and then we have ways for students from out of the area to come in. So the comprehensive education means you cater for the community where you live and we have a very large catchment that will cater for both, that that both Adelaide High School and the Botanic High School uh, will will cater for. So people who live in the area have a right to go to those schools. Uh, There is then also the selection where if there's room each year for extra students, Adelaide High School has students who are good at rowing and are good at languages. In particular.
0: But do they still do cricket? They still do
1: cricket? Uh, they may well do cricket mm. as well. You may have a, 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 a mm. more detailed knowledge than I have. Uh, we are yet to decide what that will be for the new Botanic High. We've talked about the importance of, of science, so that uh, be, there'll be science and health focus at that school, but that will be part of the comprehensive education. We're yet to settle on that and we'll work through with the community on what they'd like to see.
0: Okay, and finally, Barbara, is it Elizabeth? Hi, Barbara. Oh, hi.
1: Um, hi, um, Minister. Um, look, I'd like to give a school a bouquet. Actually, more of a hot sauce. Thank you. My grandson this year started Craigmore High School. He has some issues, not defined disability, just illness, and and we lost um we lost a family member. And I, I just like to say that um that school has been absolutely marvelous. Before attending there, um my grandson was then um, private school, the little Catholic school. They wanted to go to Craigmore. I was mortified because of what I'd heard, but I can tell you it's an absolute brilliant school and the staff there have been more than accommodating, you know, giving us extra work when he's not well and um, and helping us then, um, you know, to, to access uh, different things. So I, I really think they deserve a big pat on the shoulder and I don't think they get that too often. Oh, that is just so wonderful to hear, and I'll make sure that this is passed on to Craig Moore. Uh, that's an example of a school that we don't hear, you know, about problems with zoning and, and parents trying to force their kids in, but it's a terrific school and it does an astonishingly good job and uh, I'm, I'm just so delighted that you've chosen to recognise them. Thank you. Oh, that's fine, lovely.
0: Thank you. Bye, guys. Well done, Barbara. That's an accolade. Uh, you don't get that's very often, gorgeous. I would have thought, Minister. Hey, uh, listen, thanks uh, for your time this afternoon. Lots more announcements uh, to be made uh, between now and March, I would imagine.
1: Indeed. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> All
0: right. Thanks so much for your time. double 0000.